you do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. everybody this is your boy rob clark hitting the post like a damn dj today welcome to the lone gummin podcast on this beautiful beautiful friday afternoon i'm sitting here today outside of course enjoying the weather i hope it's nice where you are we got a three-day weekend ahead of us here in the united states of america If you're fortunate enough not to work for corporate America. But that's another story for another day. Anyway. Today. Is going to be. A little bit of a part two to last week. Um, Because after speaking with my researcher buddy. uh, Russ LaChapelle. uh, He ingrained in me through a a very long and extensive uh, phone call about some details I might have messed up on the last one so we're gonna we're gonna run through the important parts again today and hopefully I've got it right Uh, we're gonna look at uh, stealing the body and how they got away with it and what they did to it and uh, everything else entailed in that today part two of the medical evidence from your boy Rob Clark Also, let me remind everyone, before we get into that, time is ticking away, people. Before you know it, it is going to be September, okay? And at the end of September is the uh, JFK Historical Group's conference on the Warren Report, 50 years later, a critical look. And it's going to be held in Alexandria, Virginia. So you need to contact Dr. David Denton to get your tickets 
and you need to contact the uh, Crown Plaza Old Town Hotel to secure your reservations. You can buy tickets at the door, so just get there, people. One way or the other, plane, train, automobile, on John Candy's back, it doesn't matter how you get there. Just get there. We want to hang out with you. We want to see you. We want to experience a JFK conference with you. Uh, me and Doug from the Dallas Action, the very fine podcast, the, the Dallas Action with Douglas Campbell. Uh, we are going to be there on the ground together, live and in person, covering the conference from beginning to end. Uh, we're going to have interviews. We're going to be tweeting live. Uh, we're going to be uh, having videos, doing blogs right on the spot. And hopefully uh, we'll have some cool pics. And uh, we got all kinds of good stuff lined up for you. So if you cannot make it one way or the other, uh, tune in to the 22 November Network because we will be bringing it to you. Well, not bringing it, but covering it live for you as best we can. Um, that said, um, we look forward to seeing you there. Okay, You want to hang out with us. We're going to be fun. It's going to be a fun time. It's not going to be no stuffy uh, old people with a bunch of... Uh, suits and ties on hopefully we are going to see you there we're going to have fun it's a serious subject uh, but we're going to cover it with a lightened eyeball uh, and uh, still bring you everything that goes on there okay let's get into stealing the body okay we know the events of the 22 of well, the 22, the 22nd of November, 1963, very well. Anybody familiar with this case does. And what occurred after the fatal shots in Dealey Plaza were fired. The limousine, helmed by Secret Service agent William Greer, made its way to Parkland Hospital. Uh, upon arriving at Parkland Hospital, JFK was removed from the limousine and brought into trauma room number one he was worked on vigorously uh, by the doctors there at Parkland to try to desperately save his life and they did not succeed of course his injuries prevented that and from the earliest accounts and even from the doctors at Parkland and, and eyewitnesses JFK did have a blowout to the back of his head back in the right occipital region. Okay, this was witnessed at Parkland by numerous, numerous, numerous doctors. Uh, they pointed, many, including Malcolm Kilduff, pointed to his right temple, indicating where a shot had entered, the, entered J JFK. And many, if not all of the doctors, some later on to recant their story, but many assumed that the, uh, the wound at the base of the neck, at the bottom of the throat area, was a shot from the front. And they used this to insert a trach tube at, while at Bethesda. Now, many witnesses in the, in, the, in the trauma room never remember seeing this gashed open wound uh, to his neck like we see in, in, in some of the autopsy photos later. You know, it appears to be like a, <laughs> I don't want to say what it looks like, but it, it, it looks like a, a 
instead of looking just like a, a bullet hole, it is horizontally gashed open. And uh, the doctors at Bethesda or at Parkland uh, don't, you know, don't recall doing that. If there's a hole there, a bullet hole, uh, they would have used that or widened it a little bit to get the trach tube in. Um, at the time, they wouldn't have cut it, lacerated it horizontally to open it up any further, uh, because you know you want a tight, uh, you want a tight airlock there so that the air can <clears throat> can flow freely in and out of JFK's lungs uh, without uh, you know being able to escape around it. So you want a tight seal there. So they would not have gashed it open like that. They would have used the existing hole that was there, and uh, if needed be, they would have widened it up a little a little bit. Um, like I said last week, when trying to figure out the wounds uh, on JFK, it's a minefield because damn near everybody, including doctors, nurses, uh, morticians, uh, just anybody that had contact with that body after the shooting claims to have seen different wounds on JFK. And like I said in the last one, uh, the nurse at Parkland, or one of the nurses at Parkland, Aubrey Bell, she did not see anything wrong with JFK's face. Uh, so much so that she, she asked the doctor where, where he was hurt because she didn't see anything and he tilted his head to the side and she saw the blowout to the back part of the head. Um, and we got into a little bit about Richard Lipsy and, and what he stated that he saw as far as three wounds. Uh, one, of course, to blow out to the back of the head. A bullet entrance at the base of the skull, at the top of the neck. And one in the upper part of the back. And he diagrammed this for the HSCA investigators. And, uh, you know, no... Nobody else uh, mentions even fleetingly that 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 uh, that wound at the base of the neck, the top of the, or the, yeah the base of the skull and the top of the neck as an entrance wound or a wound period. Um, and we touched on a little bit about why the back wound could have possibly been created um, en route to Bethesda. But here's the intriguing thing. Now, if we go back, we go back to Parkland Hospital, and they try to save his life. They ultimately fail. Um, they call in for a coffin. So I think it was Aubrey Reich uh, brought the coffin, and it, well, inside the coffin was a body bag and some oxygen tanks. Now I don't know if they were planning on scuba diving or if they were gonna strap oxygen to the president in case in the coffin he came back to life and could survive I don't know what the purpose of the uh, oxygen tanks would have been and of course we know what the body bag was for now we also know that there was well let's fast forward to Bethesda real quick from multiple witnesses, we have a decoy ambulance or a hearse uh, arriving at the back, around back of the uh, Bethesda Naval Hospital with the president's body 
in a body bag. Okay, we don't know. Well, it said it was in a what was it? It was either a pink or gray shipping casket. Um, it's what some people said. Richard Lipsy never specified if he took the body out of a casket or not. Just that it was in a body bag, and he took it out of the body bag and put it on the table. Why is that important? Well, we know that the hearse that Jackie Kennedy and Bobby Kennedy were in along with the ornate bronze coffin uh, was empty because JFK was in a body bag taken around back so it was it they were with a decoy coffin now you have to ask yourself how did JFK's body get into a body bag and out of his nice shiny bronze ornate casket that he was taken out of Parkland Hospital in without anybody seeing well, I will tell you, um, apparently in the, uh, the melee of the aftermath of the president actually dying and the calling in of the priest and of course a grieving Jackie and, uh, you know, keeping people out of there that shouldn't be in there. Um, it's quite, it's quite possible. And of course, William Greer, you know, states that he never left the president's body. Um, it's quite possible that upon, of course, the arrival of the bronze ornate casket, um, you know, they were preparing the body for shipment, and uh, they cleaned the body at Parkland. Okay, they scrubbed the blood off and everything, and wrapped him in a sheet, and. This is where the story forks, okay? Because we have the we have the testimony of uh, Tammy True, whose real name was Nancy Powell, that she gave to the Warren Commission uh, concerning a black hearse that was leaving Parkland, and she swore it was it had JFK in it. But according to the official story, we have JFK brought out and put in a white hearse. And taken back to Love Field Air Force One in the bronze casket. Now the Warren Commission didn't want to have anything to do with Tammy True or her witness that uh, she wanted to, to bring in front of them so he could corroborate her story. Um, they, they kind of brushed her off uh, and dismissed her um, as basically a loon. Um, back to Parkland with William Greer, okay, just for a moment, okay, and, and because the body had to get out of the casket and into a body bag, the problem with that is people would have seen on Air Force One, uh, Jackie rode with the coffin pretty much all the way back to Washington, uh, right beside it, um, so how do they pull this off? Well, it only leaves one answer. That the body was removed from Parkland out through a... Uh, well, in Trauma Room 1, there's, a, there's another door that leads over to... Uh, I can't remember which room it is. But in this other room, that, that, and out that door, there leads to a tunnel 
back to the to the outside of, of Parkland, back to where the in the vicinity of where the Black Hearse was. It's theorized uh, by my buddy Russ about that they 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 put uh, JFK in the body bag and took him out this tunnel and loaded him into the black hearse and went on ahead to Love Field Air Force One okay now while at Love Field of course Air Force One was secluded away back from prying eyes and paparazzi and uh, it could have easily the body could have easily been loaded in the forward compartment uh, towards the front of the plane on the other side on the uh, the right hand side of the plane and this way the body would have been in this forward compartment um, while meanwhile back at Parkland there is a battle ensuing over removing the president from Dallas uh, the coroner Earl Rose is battling with the Secret Service agents for removing the body you know he's saying it's a it's a Dallas crime it needs to be have a Dallas autopsy and this that and the other well, meanwhile okay the Secret Service can't let that happen because if if Earl Rose gets a hold of this casket he's gonna open it and find out that there is no body inside okay the body's already gone Okay, the Secret Service are going to get this casket out of Parkland one way or the other without it being opened by Earl Rose. You know, and if it comes to shoving him up against, against the wall and putting a gun to his face and telling him, no, dude, we're taking the body, whether you like it or not, then there's nothing you can do about it. Then so be it, which is ultimately what happened. Okay, so now we have the bronze coffin being taken to Air Force One you know up through the uh, I don't know the proper name for the entrance there and you know it's kind of in the tail tail part of Air Force One on the left side uh, that's what that's and they had to rip out a piece of the wall to get this coffin around the corner on the plane and uh, and stowed in there now I then at this point is when I asked Russ I said well let me ask you something Russ I said, wouldn't all these guys know they're carrying an empty coffin? I mean, you know, you're looking at a difference of, you know, almost 200 pounds. You know, an empty coffin versus a coffin with 200 pounds, almost 200 pound man inside. You know, you're going to know the difference. And he said, well, that is exactly what those oxygen tanks could have been left inside the coffin for, for the weight. And, of course, the body bag was taken out of the coffin to put JFK in to get him out the tunnel and out and off onto Love Field and onto the other side of the airplane. Now, this would have afforded whoever is on that airplane, okay, a good, probably, because they had to wait around for a while at Love Field, maybe 45 minutes before they even took off. You know, for the judge to get there and LBJ to get sworn in and all that happy stuff. And, uh, you know, to get all these dignitaries back off the plane. Um, and 
for them to actually get set and get ready to go. They would have still been on the ground for like 45 minutes after JFK's body would have been on the plane. And then, of course, they got a you know, three, three and a half, four hour trip back to Washington, whatever it was. Uh, that's a long time to figure out what you need to do to the body and do it. Uh, you know, maybe you wouldn't have the, the best facilities on the plane to do, to do something like this. Maybe they had him in the galley in, in the, in the little kitchen there. I don't know. You know, it's hard to say or, or who even was in there working, working the magic. I don't know. Uh, but somebody had to do something from Parkland to Bethesda. Because when the body arrives at Bethesda, it's once again covered in blood. And it was just cleaned at Parkland before they wrapped it in the sheets. Okay. So how does it get bloody again at Bethesda? And how does there have different wounds on the body than was seen at Bethesda? Or at Parkland. You know, it's... There's a, there's a blowout to the back of the head at, at, at Parkland, but at Bethesda, there's not. You know, it's... it's they, they put it... Uh, they put it a little further up on the head, above the ear. Uh, you know, initially... Like Lipsy said, they, they found that a bullet hole entered at the base of the skull, the top of the neck, and then in the upper part of the back. And what I was, well, what we were thinking last week was why they would have created this back wound that didn't go anywhere on route. And uh, you know, we figured that, that possibly they, they didn't see the bullet wound that was in uh, the back of JFK's head. Because uh, it was in the hair, it was in the hairline, so they may have overlooked it on the plane and decided that, well, you know, if uh, if we're going to say the Patsy was behind this guy, he needs to have some wounds to the back of him, you know, to support this. Uh, so they added them. Well, they added one. Now, what they might not have known is that there was already one on the back of his head. And, uh, of course, this was discovered at Bethesda by the doctors there and discussed. And this is the reason that Humes had to burn his notes. Because they only had so many bullets to work with. Then they had to account for a miss. You can't have one, two, three wounds in a man uh, from separate bullets... This is not even accounting for what the hell happened to Connolly. Okay, we're just talking about JFK now. You have three bullets, three separate wounds in Kennedy. You have three shells, but yet we have James Tay getting injured by a stray shot. And, you know, that's just the one we're told about. I'm sure there was a couple holes in the stemming sign. I know there was a, a, uh, a bullet mark over by the manhole cover on the, on the cement there. They were possibly digging out a bullet uh, from the grass there in, in one of the pictures, the FBI guys, over near where uh, Roger Craig was. And, of course, we have the James Tag hit. Then we have a hit on the top of the chrome strip of the limousine. We have a bullet hole in the, in the limo windshield. So we've got 
way more bullets and bullet damage than we have shell casings for a lone nut assassin to do. So therein lies the rub. They had to uh, figure out something different that, that went along with the narrative that they needed at Bethesda to, to, to figure all this stuff out. So we have Air Force One, of course, landing uh, in D.C. It it, I don't even know where it was, Langley or Quantico. And, uh, you know, while, while the, everybody's focused on the other side of the plane and the removal, of course, of, of the ceremonial casket, the bronze casket, uh, they're on the other side of the plane taking this body out and, and, and sticking it in this, uh, another hearse. And getting it to Bethesda as quickly as possible. You know, and everybody's, they're making a big procession out of it. You know, LBJ stops and give a, gives a little speech to buy him some more time. But anyway, the hearse with the body arrives at Bethesda approximately half an hour before the uh, ceremonial casket with Jackie arrives. You know, we have the testimony of the x-ray technician who had already taken x-rays of JFK's body. And he's walking by, and he sees uh, Jeff, or Jackie and Bobby arriving with this other casket, and he's like, "What in the hell's going on here?" You know, uh, it was a it was a decoy. Did Jackie and Bobby know that JFK was not in the casket, but he was already in the hospital? We don't know. Okay, and that's a question that I asked Russ. I said, "Russ, I said, what's to stop Jackie?" on Air Force One from opening up that casket just lifting the lid to see her beloved uh, husband one more time and what the hell do you think would happen if all she saw was air tanks in there all hell would have broken loose did it happen we don't know okay and there's some other crazy theories out there about uh, about uh, uh, J.D. Tippett being a body double for JFK because we know after he died uh, he went to a different hospital and then they sent him over to Parkland now what if they would have wrapped him up in the sheets and put him in the as a decoy in the casket the bronze ceremonial casket and that once he's at Bethesda along with JFK they have a body double for such things as a brain uh, a pretty much intact brain. Uh, they have a, a double that they can uh, do do X-rays with to uh, insert 6.5 millimeter fragments. Uh, they can, uh, you know, have a a dummy head that they can fix to do X-rays with a number of things because the wounds to Tippet were uh, very similar to the wounds of Kennedy uh, I mean of course Tippett had the wounds in his chest uh, and there's been some allegations that uh, Tippett or, or JFK I'm sorry had a hole under his right nipple but we don't know for sure um, by some and of course Tippett was shot in the right temple at almost point blank range 
and could he have been used for, quote, spare parts, unquote? I don't know. Uh, would have been awfully convenient, uh, you know, to have a another body of similar dimensions of a police officer who uh, his co-workers, you know, used to call him uh, Jack because of his resemblance to Kennedy. So they said. And if you look at the uh, the Tippett Kennedy uh, half and half picture, it was like half Tippett's face, half Kennedy's face. Uh, they they do look very similar. Now in the morgue, Tippett looks like a freaking Skeletor skeleton. He's long and lanky and very gaunt looking, which I you know could be a result of losing blood i don't know uh, but he didn't look too good in his morgue photos and he didn't look very kennedy like in his morgue photos but anyway that's the narrative that i wanted to touch back on this week and hopefully i got it right and russ is proud of me um i know i can't be as detailed as as of course we were in our four-hour conversation you know in my 40 minutes here but Hopefully the point has gotten, you know, especially, you know, listen, to, go back and listen to last week's podcast and then listen to this one. And hopefully the picture of how they stole that body out of Parkland and when possible alterations could have been made to it uh, on route. Now we're going to pause just a second and we will be right back. That is GaleNixJackson.com. 22 November's own Gale Nix Jackson. That's right. And today, we just had another fantastic blog post uh, from Francesca, the grassy knoll girl, on 22November.wordpress.com. So please, if you have not yet, go check it out. It is a fine piece of writing and very important and very informative. Uh, concerning uh, Oliver Stone's film JFK. You do not want to miss it. Now, like I was saying before, I believe the the uh, alteration to the body occurred on route, on the plane, uh, because we have testimony from the people that actually took it out of the body bag, laid it on the table. It was already bloody. Um... You know, it wasn't something that the 
uh, Bethesda doctors could have done because there's too many witnesses around at that by that time and of course they weren't privy uh, to exactly what the Parkland doctors had done to the body so they wouldn't have known if the Parkland doctors did it or if it was done on route now they might have figured it out because according to Richard Lipsey they desperately tried to, to trace the path of the uh, back bullet and around to the front and through the body and they could not uh, the track only went in so far and then disappears and Lipsy tells of you know of course them removing his uh, vital organs in the chest area and the chest cavity and d dissecting them all looking for this uh, bullet but they never did find it so did the bullet fall out or was this just a fake wound a foreign substance was found uh, around the, the this fake wound on, on JFK and and his clothes and no traces of lead or copper were found uh, which of course would indicate like I said before in last podcast either a bullet fired using a sabot that would not have contracted any of those um, metallic uh, particles that could have been left on the back or the body upon entry or it was a wound created by something else not a bullet uh, but meant to look like a bullet hole um, what exactly it is I don't know uh, I'll never know um, and, and, and some of these autopsy pictures, you'll see, hang on a second, damn helicopter, hold on a second. Okay, false alarm, that was not the CIA black helicopters coming to get your boy Rob Clark here at the Lone Gunman Podcast. I'm still here, still kicking, false alarm. <laughs> um, and I can't remember where I was at about the, the, uh, the, the fake wound, but, um, there's some autopsy pictures that show a damage to JFK's right temple area up near his hairline like a little crevasse that, that leads into the skin flap or bone flap on the right side of his head uh, which probably is how he looked when he got to Bethesda this was not present at, at Parkland at least according to Aubrey Bell uh, who again indicated that she saw no no indication of, of shots to JFK's face. Hence why she asked Malcolm Perry to, you know, how did he die? Where's the wound? Because uh, she didn't see anything. And even Jackie Kennedy had said later that, you know, his face looked just fine. There was no indication of any uh, wound to his face. It, is, it, just, it still looked just like JFK. Um... So it was likely that this that this uh, wound was created to uh, somehow match whatever the hell was in the Zapruder film, or vice versa. Uh, you know, because in the Zapruder film, you have this what what everybody calls the the, uh, the pink blob 
after he's shot, it looks like half his face falls down into this pink blob. And, of course, this is not present, at least according to Parkland doctors and nurses, at Parkland at all. <laughs> you know, the only indication that they found, their defect that they found was, of course, in the back of the head that was blown out. And, of course, it's been said, uh, I think by uh, David Manick, there's indication of two shots from the back in that same general area according to the way it craters and beveled edges on the Harper fragment that match up with the uh, skull x-rays and uh, so forth and so on. And like I've told you before, I'm not really big on the medical evidence. Uh, I do have Lifton's book, and uh, I think he did a good job on it. A lot of it's above my pay grade and, and over my head as far as comprehension on that kind of a scale of, you know, hundreds of pages of, of, but the interviews he does with the people, you know, at Parkland and Bethesda are very, very good. They're very, very valuable. And once again, it's just like a microcosm of the Kennedy assassination. It's pieces of a puzzle. Okay. That we need to put together to form a narrative that makes sense according to what we know now and, uh, what could, could have possibly happened to, incur all this uh, damage and so forth or lack thereof at either place um, and to conform with the testimony that we all find but of course Richard Lipsy, Lipsy was the only one that I saw to put another wound in the back of his head and he, and he stated that the doctors at Bethesda definitely saw it they were definitely talking about it that's why I initially asked Russ, I said, well, why did they need to make a fake back wound if they had one already in the, in the, uh, at the base of the skull, top of the neck, that would have matched the trajectory from a, you know, a high office building with an exit wound in the throat? Did they, it was likely an entry wound, but they could make it an exit. You know, it would have matched up, at least the trajectory would have matched up a little better. Than, than the wound that they created in the back. And, and, and we came to the conclusion that they likely did not see that, uh, you know, on route, uh, you know, on the, on the plane when, when some of these alterations were made. But uh, hopefully I did it justice this time, Russ. Uh, and uh, if anybody out there has anything they want me to look into, get at me. I know I said last time we'd be looking at Prayer Man this week. And I wanted to... Uh, fixed the record a little bit on the medical evidence and, and the stealing of the body and the alteration of the body and uh, and sew this up in a nice neat little bow and uh, we will get into prayer man next week I promise I'm going to give you my take on that like I said I still got to sketch sketch some timeline stuff out because it is very very uh, confusing when you have to line up uh, testimony and uh, narrative and uh, photo and film analysis and timelines there and have it match everything else, it is very confusing. Um, so we're going to get into that next week. Stay tuned for that. Uh, we're going to get into Prayer Man, who is a very intriguing figure who has come into light uh, in, in the wake of... Oswald, the doorway man, which we all know is bunk, total bunk. And uh, could this other guy 
have been Oswald, the prayer man, as he's called from the way his arms are, arms are, uh, the way he's standing and the way his arms are. Uh, it looks like he's praying in the, uh, in the Wegman film. But we'll get into that next week a little bit and uh, see what we can figure out with prayer man. So this week, hopefully we've, we've wrapped up the medical evidence nice and tight. I thank everyone for listening, sharing, and supporting the 22 November Network and the Lone Gunman Podcast and the Dallas Action. If you have not, and I don't know why you haven't, if you haven't, go check out Doug Campbell's most excellent podcast, the Dallas Action. You can find it on Spreaker. You can find him on Facebook. Uh, you can find him on the 22 November Network WordPress site that we have, and you can find links for all this stuff. Under my big ugly mug, it says info. You click on info, and it gives you all the links you need. If you want to send us an email, it's right there. You want to go to our Facebook page, it's right there. Uh, you want to go to our Twitter page and follow us there, you can. And I would suggest that you do because we are going to be tweeting a lot from this conference, okay? Uh, so we can do nice little short hits live in real time. And you're going to want to follow us up. So if you haven't yet... Create an account on Twitter, or if you're already on Twitter, follow the 22 November Network. Like I said, follow the link from, from the speaker page, the info page there, and it'll take you right to it. And you will be able to follow along at the conference as it happens. Uh, we'll hit you with the important bullet points, the, uh, the intriguing items we come across, the in interesting stuff. And we're also working on bringing you something special from the conference that we're hopefully going to uh, have a little contest for and a little giveaway. So stay tuned for that. Um, but anyway, that's it for this one. This some bitch is beamed up to the satellite. Down directly to your ears. This is the Lone Gummin Podcast. And this is your boy Rob Clark. Out.
You do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. You do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 US only.